Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your book meet cute. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Mans McKenney, and I'm an author and book reviewer from the Midwest. I'm Elena Nicolau, and I'm a senior entertainment editor at Today.com. I'm Kristen Evans, a book critic and culture writer based in Cleveland, Ohio. Today we're setting up Celia Aniskovich. Celia is a New York City-based director and producer, well known for her co-production of How to Fix a Drug Scandal and her production of Surviving Jeffrey Epstein. In 2021, she released a six-part podcast series for Wondery called The Spy Affair about Maria Bettina and is working on a feature-length film about disability rights. She recently read and loved How to Stop Time by Matt Haig and A Lesson Before Dying by Ernest Gaines. She considers herself a romantic, and her dream Saturday is a loungy morning with pastries and a long walk. If tattoos only lasted one year, she'd get the line, do it for the fat lady, from her favorite book, Franny and Zooey, though she says she doesn't love classics. She thinks everyone should watch One Tree Hill, and she's a snob about snobby people. Celia, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was very fun to hear a bio that I didn't I didn't really know what was coming. To have your bio distilled that way is uh, is very interesting and very fun. So one thing that really drew our attention in the questionnaire is that you say that One Tree Hill got you into documentaries and storytelling. Why? What What's the story behind that? Oh, gosh, yes. So it's so funny. I was just talking about One Tree Hill last night. I can't shut up about it, apparently. Um, I, you know, I think that the the television shows we watch in our youth obviously have a big impact on us. And I think particularly for young women, the first time we see strong female voices on screen, there's a big impact. And I think the three leading ladies of One Tree Hill certainly gave me permission to have an opinion, to speak out, to be the person I wanted to be. And I think that that show... was good some years and bad some years and went through some wild and wacky storylines, but it was around for a long time. And I watched it from a young kid through high school. And actually, I think even a little bit into college, maybe that's how long it went on. And I I think I, I grew up with it and realized that it had a real impact on the way I saw the world, a real impact on the way I approached people and life. And I thought, wow, you know, this was sort of the first thing that that showed me the power of storytelling. And the final episode of One Tree Hill, this is my deep, dark secret, before any big interview I do or any big project I start, I rewatch the last episode of One Tree Hill. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> Sort of reminds me. There's this great line uh, in it of what you do matters and how you do it matters. And that's how I try to approach all the stories that I tell, not just that we're telling good stories, but how we tell them is important and how we treat people is important. And so I think it just, it really set me on a path to want to tell stories and tell them in the right way. And I don't know, maybe I make too much of it, but it's, it's meant a lot to me over the years. Oh, I love that. On the other side of things, what what is the hardest part of documentary storytelling for you? Oh gosh, um probably the same thing. I mean, making sure that that you tell stories with integrity is not always easy and you know On the last podcast series I did called Mafia Tapes, we actually delved into that in the last episode. You know, I think I do a lot of what we call true crime. And the reality is that we want to tell stories with integrity. And I I hope that I do. But equally, it's a business with executives sitting in offices in Hollywood. And it's not always easy to balance that with what a network wants with 
even what consumers want. And so I tried in that podcast and try to talk about it with people as much as I can, the sort of behind the curtain of our industry and taking a hard look at what it means when the story is the most important thing and you have to follow the story. And in this last series I did, we made the decision not to follow the story. We made the decision that the good thing to do as human beings was to not follow the story. And we showed that process in the series of making that decision. And so I think that's what's really hard, you know, making sure you can produce what's wanted, but also staying true to yourself and always sort of checking in with yourself of, you know, I try to use the barometer of, of sort of would 10 year old Celia be proud? <laughs> and if not, I try not to do it. Oh, I think we all need to have that gut check. So so when you're working on, on these projects, how do you know that an idea will become your next project? How much of it is brought to you to create and how much of it is you discovering ideas? I'd say it's pretty 50-50. There's sort of two sides of documentary and podcast, at least narrative podcast development. There's the development side and then there's the production side. And I, I develop, like I said, about 50% of my own projects and then some projects come to me. And I, I, it's really interesting, you know, obviously when you're developing your own projects, you're doing that with your own mind and your own sensibility. But when other people approach you with projects, I always find it very fascinating to see what projects other people think I'm going to be interested in, which is a little bit like what we're doing here today. And sometimes it it's dead on and sometimes it's really not. And I think that comes with certainly stereotypes we make of anyone. I'm a young-ish white blonde girl from Connecticut. And sometimes that puts me in a box. I've done a lot of true crime stories. Sometimes people assume that that means that I want to keep doing true crime stories. Um, and and I, I do for the right reasons, if they're, they're stories that can make a difference. Kurt Vonnegut has this great line, try to write to just one person, try to please just one person. If you try to please the world, it's never going to work. And so I try to think in my documentaries, can this help at least one person? Can we change the life of one person or improve the life of one person? And if I think we can, then that's usually my barometer of how I decide to do a project or not. What yeah. keeps you from reading? That's kind of one of the biggest things we tackle in this show. Work keeps me from reading, which is a real shame. I mean, look, I read a ton for my job, as I'm sure a lot of you do, but I read a lot of nonfiction. I do a lot of research and I am a fiction reader through, through and through. And because I don't commute anymore, I used to read so much on the subway and now all of that time is gone. So it's really, it's really work that, that keeps me from, from digging into the fiction I sometimes want to. Well, we cannot wait to set you up with some books today. Hopefully they will help you get over your reading hump and find that time at the end of the day when you're tired. So Celia, over the next two rounds, we're going to each introduce you to a books that we love. We get points based on how much you like the dates that we set you up on. So you're going to win no matter what with all of these great picks, but one of us is going to win by being this week's best matchmaker. If we win, we get to link to our favorite indie bookstores in the show notes. So today I'm going to be playing for Imprint Bookstore in Port Townsend, Washington. Elena, who are you playing for? I will be playing for Third House Books in Gainesville, Florida. And Kristen, who are you playing for today? I'm going to be playing for you and me books in New York City. I just read a great profile of them in The Guardian about how they're providing community and resources in Chinatown to support AAIPI folks during this time of sort of crisis and violence. And I, we can link to that profile in the, in the show notes. I was really moved by what they're up to. 100%. Make sure you take a look on our show notes to find that after you listen to this episode. Okay, Celia, get ready for your literary meet cute. Elena, let's introduce Celia to your first round pick. Okay, Celia, I'm excited about this one. 
Plain Bad Heroines by Emily Danforth is more of an experience than a book. On the surface, it is a sprawling novel about the making of a movie, but it gets way more meta from there. The movie is based on a book, which was inspired by real events, and all of the many layers of the tale are dissected and explored through various ephemera, documents, footnotes, diaries, fan message boards, excerpts, and just regular narration too. All of these many stories are connected by one statement. There's something very amiss happening at Brookhans Boarding School for Girls in Rhode Island. In 1902, two students at Brookhans fell in love, but their relationship would never be accepted by their high society families. They bond over this book by a woman named Mary McLean, who encouraged girls her age to throw off the corset and awaken their true souls. As a side note, to make matters more confusing, Mary McLean is actually a real person in the real world. But anyway, all of the girls' feverish brainstorming and canoodling ends in a wasp-related accident. And this is the start of the bad look at Brookhans. Many other deaths follow before the school's closing a few years later. And then in the modern day, a young woman writes a book about the school's haunted gothic queer history, which is option for a movie because of course it is. And the filming process goes Blair Witch fast. Let's just say the set is haunted by wasps and worse. The book is spooky, fun, and clever, and based on your background as a documentarian, I think you'll appreciate the challenges of finding the truth in history and then bringing it to the screen. And I think your status as a self-proclaimed hardcore feminist will appreciate the way the characters across eras are united in trying to break out of societal molds as they come of age. That is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. All right. So Elena's first round pick is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. Kristen, what is your first round pick? All right, Celia, you mentioned that you recently loved a time travel novel from Matt Haig and that you typically enjoy Ann Patchett's work too. I was also struck by how much you admired your best friend for their loyalty and how much you dislike snobbery. Down with snobs. After sitting with these responses, I found myself drawn to an unusual novel about best friends, one that contends with art, snobbery, loyalty, and yes, even time travel. Adrian Seltz's End of the World House follows two best friends, Bird and Kate during an unstable imagined future where war and climate change are truly upon us. It's a little bit like now, just uh, like slightly worse. <laughs> Birdie is an artist who works for a Silicon Valley tech company and is increasingly unsatisfied with her job. Kate's life is a little bit more together, but she's decided to take a promotion far away from her stomping grounds with Birdie. To cheer themselves up about Kate's impending move, the duo decide to take a last hurrah trip to Paris. And while touring the Louvre, Birdie and Kate enter into a time loop. Every day, Birdie wakes up in a slightly altered reality with the sense that something is just a little bit wrong. How did her friendship with Kate get so off track? Why is Birdie afraid to make art for herself? Wait, how did Birdie meet her nerdy boyfriend? And what kind of secret secretive invention is Birdie's tech company working on anyway? So many questions. This book is a late millennial Groundhog Day where the protagonists are two fiercely loyal women trying to carve out space for art, creativity, and friendship during increasingly difficult times. And despite the slightly dark and mysterious premise, it's both funny and hopeful. And I found it a real bomb to read earlier in the pandemic. So I hope you love it. All right, Kristen's first round pick is End of the World House by Adrian Seltz. I have to say we must have picked up your need, Celia, for something a little bit bonkers, a little bit twisted, because mine totally fits with that theme. You say that work keeps you from reading and that you prefer interesting things to happen than good things, and that loyalty is one thing you love about your best friend. If you've heard anything about the book I'm about to recommend, it's that it takes place entirely in Slack messages. I'm talking about Several People Are Typing by Kevin Kelsulke. 
It's got the off-kilter world a la Matt Haig and moves very fast for someone who's busy. The form of Slack messages gives it a delightfully screenplay-like feel, and it goes interesting places from, from page one. The main character's spirit is sucked into the corporate Slack feed, leaving his body behind in his apartment. He tries to reach out to the Slack's help bot and to his fellow employees, but everyone assumes it's a long-running joke. The book goes hilarious places and touches upon issues of corporate culture and the weirdness of being a person in the modern age. Plus, there may somehow be a romantic plot line. I'm a discerning reader, and it takes a lot to make me laugh, but this book made me laugh out loud several times. I might have even snorted a little. For a book that drags you in, maybe not as literally as its main character, but almost, I have to recommend Several People Are Typing by Kevin Kelsuke. All right, so Celia, your first round picks are Elena's pick, Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth, Kristen's pick, End of the World House by Adrian Selt, and my pick, Several People Are Typing by Kevin Kasulke. Okay, Celia, let us hear what your first round pick would be. Guys, this is so difficult. Um, You did such a good job. And I'm going to end up reading all of these. Can I go through each one? You bet you can. Okay. All right. I'm going to start with End of the World House. I still think I'm going to read it, but I've got to be honest. Anything that feels close to what we've been through in the past two years, I think I have to avoid just for right now. I I am definitely still not through all of the the experiences of the last two years. And I'm trying to sort of read things that have a little bit of more escapism and maybe let me focus on, on other things. That said, I still think I'm going to love that book. So I will read it eventually. I almost, when you said Slack messages, I almost wrote off several people are typing right away because the word Slack triggers something in me as it might for a lot of uh, <laughs> However, and I still haven't chosen between the other two, but however, one of my favorite books as a child was TTYL. I don't know if you guys read that book. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can picture the cover. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it was all in like AIM instant messages. So I kind of love the idea of that. Elena, your pick, um, Plain Bad Heroines, is just like so up my alley and just So I went to a boarding school in New Hampshire for high school. It's a strange and weird place. I love the female dynamics. I love the kind of interlocking stories across generations. And I think you're totally right. The kind of like adaptation from story to to screen is something that totally interests me. Okay, I'm going to pick Plain Bad Heroines, but I'm going to read them all. Yay! Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally fair. All right, Cecilia's first round pick is going to be Plain Bad Heroines. And so Elena gets 20 points towards your first round. This is so fun, guys. We're happy. Yeah, I think you'll like Plain Bad Heroines. I did read it during the pandemic, and it got my mind off things. I really I vividly remember being outside in in the sun. And it's this long book. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I just don't want to go back to reality. I'm going to stay here for a while. It is really fun. And it's all the things that you described as you were talking it out, Celia, too. Actually, one of my... I decided that I think that the movie director that is portrayed in the novel, I'm like, is that secretly Taika Waititi? Like, it might be. I think that that he's based on... uh, That character is based on him. Yeah, I pictured Kristen Stewart as one of the actresses, too. (laughs) That helps. Yeah, that seems right. Fan casting. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we will give you three more picks to agonize over. (music) 
Welcome back. We're here with Celia Aniskovich, and we're going to be setting her up with three more picks to get her back into fiction. So Elena, do you want to kick it off with your round two pick? Let's do it. So Celia, when I saw that your perfect Saturday consisted or involved yummy treats, the first thing that sprang to mind were the confections that play a surprising role in Heather O'Neill's new book, When We Lost Our Heads, out in 2022. One of the main characters, Marie Antoine, is heir to a sugar factory in Victorian-era Montreal. Privileged beyond comprehension, Marie thinks life will be as sweet as the sugar that her factory makes. She's completely unaware of what existence is really like for the workers who live in the other part of the city. The book is interested in separate worlds colliding like tectonic plates and the people and the ideas that threaten to overturn the entire system. It has lots of French Revolution references like Marie Antoine's name for a reason. The central characters, Marie and Sadie Arnett, become best friends as girls because they feel at odds in Montreal's gilded golden mile. They're total opposites but are in to the same wicked and dangerous games, and one such game goes drastically awry at the start of the book. After they're implicated in a tragedy as girls, the friends are wrenched from each other and spend the ensuing years orbiting around the loss, the loss of a true friend, and the yearning to get that toxic, destructive, all-encompassing friendship back. You say that you admire loyalty in a friend, and this book takes loyalty to occasionally dark and always intriguing places. Since you say you dislike snobs, I think you'll enjoy watching Marie and Sadie get their due, and I suspect... I know which characters you'll be rooting for. George, a genderqueer person who falls in love with Sadie, and the baker with a secret that can topple Marie's empire. The plot is years long and gripping, almost Elena Ferrante-esque, but that's not what I enjoyed most. The book has a fairy tale like quality, and that's all thanks to O'Neill's incredible prose and unique storytelling style. It's magnificently readable. She has distance from characters and can summarize their psychology in ways that can make you go underline immediately. They say that showing is more important than telling, but if you can tell like O'Neill, then I, I think that the that phrase just does not hold up. So the book is When We Lost Our Heads by Heather O'Neill. All right. So Elena's second round pick is When We Lost Our Heads by Heather O'Neill. Kristen, what's your second round pick? Actually, before I get started, I just wanted to say when they sent out ARCs for When We Lost Our Heads, they also sent out little Petty Four. So it was like a really nice thematic tie-in to the book that was very fun and delicious, just like the book itself. So I always have to like applaud Elena's choices. I love them so much. It's so hard to go against them. Okay. Celia. In your questionnaire, you mentioned that you're a romantic, and so I thought, what book might work better for a documentarian with with a romantic streak than a novel about a wedding planner for Manhattan's elite, whose own family is enmeshed in political drama and scandal? Zochel Gonzalez's debut novel, Olga Dies Dreaming, is an epic family saga that depicts a version of New York City that we see too infrequently in literary fiction. Olga Acevedo spends her days worrying about napkin placements and making her wealthy wedding clientele happy, but she's dissatisfied, lonely, and frustrated. Her brother, Prieto, is a closeted politician on the rise, currently being blackmailed by some shady characters. While both Olga and Prieto have made it in New York, they're struggling to navigate a world that feels rigged against them, making questionable decisions along the way. This is a novel that's interested in power and in probing what it means to be principled. Perfect for someone like you, Celia, since you both admire principled people and make documentaries that focus deeply on power and power imbalances. 
Olga and Prieto are also haunted by the absence of their mother, Blanca, a Puerto Rican revolutionary who abandoned her children 30 years ago. From Puerto Rico, Blanca writes enigmatic letters to her children, and she even seems poised to emerge from her decades-long political exile. This is old-fashioned storytelling at its best, illuminating the joys and struggles of contemporary immigrant communities in New York in a way that feels fresh and new. You'll root for both Olga and Prieto to find love and happiness and to define for themselves what it means to find freedom and success in America. All right. So Kristen's second round pick is Olga Dies Dreaming by Zochil Gonzalez. I keep recommending new books that give me a sense of emotional release, unexpectedness, and a kick of humor because I feel like that's what all of us need at the end of a busy day. As a journalist, I'm sure the last thing you want is an expected plot line with too too many familiar characters. Your unpretentious questionnaire answers about loving drugstore candy and being a snob about snobs make me think that my next pick would be a great fit for you. Go Home Ricky is a 2021 debut novel by Jean Kwok, a Native American writer with roots in the Midwest. This book, which gives me glow vibes, tracks the titular main character, Ricky, after he gets injured in an amateur wrestling match, the kind with costume lights, the whole deal. I have no interest in wrestling, but this book is just as much about the sport as about wrestling with who you are. Ricky, a high school janitor and now retired wrestler, goes in search for his father, who he's never met. And in short, digestible chapters, we see the ridiculous moments of his messy, hilarious life. You say that you love loyalty, and Quack is not just about loyalty to your friends, but also your community and your ideals. His book is twisty and well-plotted and explores the dynamics of fatherhood and sonhood, as well as whiteness and Native identities. It's a total hidden gem. So my second recommendation is Go Home Ricky by Jean Quack. All right, Celia, your second round picks all together are When We Lost Our Heads by Heather O'Neill, Olga Dies Dreaming by Zochil Gonzalez, and Go Home Ricky by Jean Quack. What do you think? Guys, I'm also amazed that you picked six books that I haven't even heard of. I, I feel like I read a lot. So this is amazing that I have six books to read. And yet again, I'm going to read all, all three of these too. I love that you guys incorporated my my love of sweets. Anyone knows me, that's like probably the number one thing they say about me is the amount of teeth rotting I do with the amount of candy that I eat. Um, <laughs> so that was great. I love that they sent out Petty Fours. That is so fun. Um, so I think that, well, I am going to read all of these. And I have to say, I'm not sure if I put this in my questionnaire or not, but I love sports. So really interesting that that is part of the third. I think I'm going to go with number two, Kristen's pick. I love a family drama. I love anything set in New York, particularly. And I think when you said this, it definitely piqued my interest, you know, parts of New York we don't normally see. I was also raised by a politician. So I'm always very interested in how um, politicians are depicted, especially in a sort of family dynamic, which I think is an area that doesn't get a lot of coverage in, in fiction. And certainly I am obsessed with and spend a lot of time thinking about power and power imbalances in my work. So It'll be really nice to see all of these different themes and areas that I think about in a kind of nonfiction context in a piece of fiction set in the city that I live in. Amazing. Okay, so Celia's second round pick is Olga Dice Dreaming by Zochil Gonzalez. That means that Kristen gets 20 points. And where that leaves us is at the end of round two, Elena and Kristen each have 20 points. So we're going to be moving to our brief tiebreaker round. So Celia, if you were on a dating app 
and there were two people whose profiles you were equally interested in, but one of them was hotter. Let's be realistic, you would definitely pick the hotter person. So we're going to be describing the winning choices covers to you, and we're going to have you pick based purely on the cover design. This is incredible. I also have to give a quick anecdote, which is that I am a very literal person. And um, I don't know if you guys took the PSATs at any point. And it had a, an essay prompt like the SATs have. And I was doing a practice one one day in my house when I was 14. And I came downstairs like pretty smug. I was like, oh, I, I totally killed it. My, my tutor is going to grade it. And she's going to think it's so good. And my mom was like, oh, what was your prompt? And I said, it was don't judge a book by its cover. And you had to respond. And I wrote a full essay about not judging an actual book by its literal cover. And it is a story that is told in my family quite a lot about me because I think it pretty perfectly sums up who I am as a person. Well, now you get to do it like very yeah, literally. I know. We love to feed the literal sense of this. That's fantastic. Yes. So if you want to open up a browser window okay. and type in Olga Dies Dreaming and okay. Plain Bad Heroines in another, Elena and Kristen will take turns describing the covers to you. All right, they're up. Okay. All right, Elena, do you want to describe your cover first? Sure. So the cover of Plain Bad Heroines, and I should say this is the cover of like an 800 page book. So that, that kind of like adds to it. You have to see the depth in the back. Um, the cover I'm looking at is a black and it has a lot of red accents. And the accents are cobwebs. It looks like the book is covered in cobwebs. Right in the middle of the book is a wasp, which pays homage to the wasp imagery that's throughout the book. And then the font is pretty simple, except for the word heroines, which is sort of more like old timey and handwriting me, I guess, to show the way that it flips back and forth in time. But it's a pretty simple cover and it screams gothic, haunted vibes. And and yeah, some beautiful illustration detail work. Like I bet the guys are tattoo, the illustrators are tattoo artists. I could see that. All right. And then uh, Kristen, if you want to describe your cover of Olga Dice Dreaming. Alrighty. This is also a very bright cover. And I actually wish you could see the entire jacket design because it wraps around in a very beautiful way. But the front cover is a very like a vibrant bright red. And in the center of the of the book is kind of like a digital collage of a young woman and her hair has these kinds of patterns brushed in into them. Um, so on the left hand side, it's this really bright green with pink flowers on the right hand side it's this electric blue with red stars and her face is this really bright purple so it's like very colorful oh and then there's like a swoosh that's her neck and shoulder that that gives you a cityscape and the wraparound is so beautiful too it's that same bright blue and red continuing around the side and just a big font that says Olga dies dreaming I really love this cover all right, Celia, which cover is the hottest? I love Olga Dye's Dreaming. Colors are so vibrant, and I love the way they've incorporated, obviously, different parts of the story within the cover. I just love that I'm getting to judge a book by its literal cover as well. I do have to say, though, so my mother raises bees, and I am going to run out and buy Bad Heroines just for the cover for her because she will be very excited. All of these books are getting purchased is basically the answer, but I think I'm going to go with Olga Dye's Dreaming. And maybe you'll consider buying that from You and Me Books in New York City, which is today's winning bookstore, since Kristen is our winner. So 
we hope that you'll take a peek at their wonderful bookstore and support them. Yes, I definitely will. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Celia, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you enjoy your books. Where can we find you on the internet? What are you working on right now? I am on Instagram at Sienna Scovich and sort of on Twitter, but not really at the same at the same handle. And I am working on a variety of different documentary projects at the moment, a feature documentary for HBO Max that I can't talk about just yet, but is about a strong female character and as well as a documentary about a a case from the a criminal case from the 1980s that I've been trying it's a story I've been trying to tell for seven years and I'm finally getting to tell it and that has a home at Discovery Plus. Oh, fantastic. Elena, where can we find you on the internet? Well, first of all, I'm very excited for those projects. And thank you for hyping the mystery. You can find me on Twitter at at Elena Wonders. And you can find me on Instagram at the same handle. Kristen Winner, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me uh, on Twitter at at Paper Alphabet, P-A-P-E-R Alphabet. And you can find me on Twitter at R.M. McKenney or on Instagram at Rachel Mans McKenney. You can also find all the books we talked about today in our show notes. The buy links will all go to today's winning bookstore, You and Me Books in New York City. You can find our show online at blinddatewithabookpod.com and at bookmeetcute on Twitter and Instagram. Please follow and tell us all the books that you have fallen in love with recently. Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mans McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mance McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.